Hello, and thank you for listening to Literacy Matters. I'm your host, Cheryl Lundy-Swift, and today I'm happy to be here with Dana Clark, who refers to herself as a thinking partner for educators, and she also is co-author of Read Alouds with Heart. Welcome to the show, Dana. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Now, I am curious about this title. I would love for you to tell me why you refer to yourself as a thinking partner for educators. What an awesome title. Can you say more about that? Sure. Um, So I have had the great privilege of being a staff developer, someone who gets to go into schools in the North Jersey, New York area, and just be with them, listen to their stories, hear the things that are going well, listen to kids, um, see all of the things that they can do, and then imagine, you know, and, and it's sometimes it's teachers coming together and imagining what's next and imagining possibilities and learning from the little humans in front of us of what they can do and um, how we might support them. And then it's also maybe some of my favorite moments are moments just in the classroom coming up with what's possible, what's next for kids, um, how can we bring even more joy into the classroom space, how can we make sure that we reach every learner and push them to that next step and that potential that we we know that they have. Uh, Yeah, so I just act as someone to bounce off of and imagine with. Wow, so powerful and so needed. You know, you can really, as a teacher, you know, you can really feel isolated in your own classroom, right? So what a wonderful job and title to kind of refer to yourself as. So since you get to go into classrooms and talk to those little tiny humans and and be a think partner for educators, what are you seeing in the classroom today, kind of post-pandemic? What are you seeing? Um, so I'm going to share both what I see with students and what teachers often talk about with me. So when we go into classrooms, I wanna say that first and foremost, I see joy. I see beauty. Uh, I see kids who are bringing all of the gifts that they have into their classroom spaces and using them in ways that will help them to grow. And so, I want to just begin by saying our students are whole and beautiful. And yes, we have all our students and teachers and everybody else have suffered trauma due to living in a pandemic and through a pandemic. Um, But our kids are not broken. Our kids are whole. So I see these beautiful, joyful students. And I also sometimes see students who are learning how to navigate the world again with each other. Because what has happened was there was a point in time and it was different for everyone, right? So I feel like it's really hard to say this is what is the answer because everyone experienced this differently. Um, But some commonalities might be that students didn't, didn't have as much opportunity to be with others, to be with kids their age, um, to play, to play around and understand what the boundaries were of physical play, of social negotiation. Um, And so what I see is kids who are stepping back into a physical space that's shared and needing to learn that again, Um, needing to either reacquaint themselves or learn it for the first time because they're very young and hadn't really had that experience at all. 
Um, so that's definitely something that I'm seeing. And I'm definitely hearing teachers also talk about navigating both this need to support students socially and emotionally with balancing wanting to support their academic needs too, mm -hmm. and trying to navigate both worlds because you can't just do one. That's true. They, you can't uh, separate them, right? We cannot compartmentalize those. Wow, that's, that's really, well, I really appreciate your saying that like yeah so for for teachers when, we, when you 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 and your co-authors uh keisha smith carrington and dagisha vias wrote read alouds with heart right and you were really thinking about teachers that were in k-2 space and also those teachers and students in the three to five space um so when we think about those teachers and all that you just mentioned um, obviously those teachers have an urgency, right, to support students in becoming proficient readers. Because while we know that their, their experiences are diverse, we also know that children were struggling to learn to read. How can teachers focus on what you guys call the heart, maybe even by telling us what the heart is, but also meet those other kind of expectations, so grade level expectations, um, you know, the assessments that are now, that now they have to take, um, and all of their other duties that we know that they have, how can teachers focus on the heart? So let's begin by acknowledging that teaching reading means teaching so much. Of course, we need to create space and time to teach foundational skills that will allow students to be able to pick up a book and decode it. We have to do that. Yeah. Um, and we can't stop there, right? Because just decoding isn't reading. So we also need to support the work of deep comprehension where kids are connected to characters. They understand the choices that those people make, the types of people that they are. They understand motivation and what drives them. And so it's also digging into the comprehension and our heart work is connected both to understanding people, whether those are real people in our biographies, what drove them, who they are, um, or imagined people and the steps that they take as they run into some trouble and how we can learn from the choices that they make uh, and how we might live differently because of that, right? And so those books really afford us an opportunity to both look at, yes, let's think about understanding this book and this character. And let's think about how this pseudo experience of living through a book helps us to imagine what we might do when we're in similar situations and the ways that we want to be. So you mentioned this word, uh, these two words, I should say, deep comprehension. What do you mean by deep comprehension? So comprehension can fall into this very surface space where it's, I can retell across my fingers what happened in this book, and maybe I can name a character trait or two. But that really doesn't quite yet get to the heart of what we're trying to do as we study our texts. And so when we think about deep comprehension, what we really are inviting people to do is use maybe the framework from our book, Read Alouds with Heart, to think about who are these people more than their character traits, but what identities do they carry? Mm. 
at their very core, how are they making decisions? How do their identities intersect with the ways that they experience joy and heartache? How do we really understand how their identities also may be connected to the ways that they act in terms of motivation? How are they motivated by circumstances of who they are? And so to us, identity is core to deep comprehension because it's the very essence of who we are and it drives so much, both our social identities and our personal identities, right? Yeah. The, our ways of being and the things that we grow into and enjoy. So identity is so important. Harmon healing is so much more than problem solution, right? Problem solution might be that surface work of comprehension, but understanding harm and healing is understanding what's underneath that surface. What caused the harm? Understanding the very core of it. And then most importantly, how do we step forward to heal together? And what are the ways that characters do this in our books? And then lastly, the last lens from our text is heart work, which is really reading empathetically. And we think about deep comprehension as not just naming the feeling of a character, but when we can think about how do we bring compassion mm -hmm. to this situation? How do we understand different people's perspectives and connect to where they are emotionally? That's the deep comprehension that we're really hoping for as we invite students to step into reading through those lenses. So can you tell me how that comprehension piece and the work that you're talking about in, in um, Read Allows with Heart really helps students to learn those very important and necessary social skills that they need and helps them to like really develop positive thinking and, and even their own self-identity? Totally. Um, so I think one of the things that needs to be said is teachers' plates are so full that trying to add one more thing on, right, maybe that idea of like, I need to make the choice. Is it that I'm teaching kids how to build positive habits or am I teaching reading? What am I doing today? Sure. Uh, but what we really are thinking about is how reading and especially beautifully written books and literature create what's called a pseudo experience. And they allow someone to physically experience what it's like in someone else's shoes. And then when we think about that, then the book becomes the catalyst to the positive habits. And it can just be the book is the start of a conversation and maybe a circle experience where we think about choices that a character could make, or it could be us teaching self-regulation and some deep breathing and ways that a character could have really paused when they were experiencing or acknowledging an, an emotion. Um, so the book can be just the starting point to the conversation. And it doesn't have to be that we're teaching SEL here completely in isolation and reading here completely in isolation, but these things can really come together through shared reading experiences. Hmm. I love the idea of consolidating these two things that they're not mutually exclusive, but you can really 
um, kind of tackle them and address them at the same time and really use it as a backdrop. So I've had a chance to kind of uh, pour over your really awesome, um, you know, resources here. And I'd love for you to, so basically tell me what they are exactly. Um, you know, how can teachers use them? What, what are they? What we saw was that teachers really they want what's best for kids. They want beautiful texts that they can use. And they're looking for something where they don't have to start at step one because there's so much already on their plate. Sure. So when we look at our books, the first part of the book is really an invitation for teachers to do some introspection and to think about their identities and how the identities that they carry play a role in their everyday interactions with students. Yeah. The second part, think of as little bits of advice or tips on how to bring strategies forward into classrooms and how to use circle practices and different types of experiences that allow students to learn from each other. And then the third part of our book are ready to roll lessons. We chose 15 books for the K to two and 15 books for the three to five that act as a starting spot. These books were chosen because they had characters that carried different identities, and we can then dig into those books to look through those lenses we mentioned before, that identity lens, the harm and healing lens, the empathy lens, and then there even is a beyond the book lesson where we could think about how can we use that book again to really dig deep into some social emotional learning, into that positive habit building, uh, inspired by those castle competencies. Sure. I and well, I love that they're also all picture books. So they're they're picture books. And when we think about picture books, we oftentimes will think about picture books for younger learners. But I, you know, this is kind of a shout out to one of my superintendents that I worked under in District 19 in Brooklyn, in New York. And her name is Anita Scop. And Anita Scop during our principal conferences would always read us a picture book. And I tell you, as principals, we were we were just chomping at the bit to hear the end of that book. She would actually wait and kind of read a little bit throughout the day. There was always something that I could take back even as an adult from those picture books that were really awesome. So I love that you're using them for all grade levels. Do you happen to have three picture books that you really, really love? I have so many picture books that I really, really love. Um... I'm going to give you the top three that come to mind right now, but that could change tomorrow. <laughs> so one favorite is Joy by Corinne Avarice, a beautiful story. Uh, and the illustrations, the way that the colors move inside of that book is just amazing. Um, Watercress by Andrea Wang is such a gorgeous picture book. Um, and this one is not brand new, but it remains to be one of my favorites, The Journey by Francesca Sanya. Uh, is just such a gorgeous, gorgeous book. And again, the illustrations, the beauty of a picture book is that the illustrations add so much emotion, right? Mm -hmm. It brings us in, in totally different ways. Uh, so yeah, those, those are the three that came to mind today. But like I said, <laughs> that's always changing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate it. So as you think about um, as we wrap up and you think about kind of this deep comprehension and how to leverage these, these wonderful um, picture books that you've chosen, do you have any words of advice 
for our teachers, our educators that you partner with on a regular basis, and those that will be listening to this, whether maybe meeting you for the first time, what would you leave them with today as we think about kind of where we are right now as it relates to reading proficiency and just all things education? Mm, wow. Um, I think I'll, I'll leave people with this, uh, although there's so much that we could say. Mm -hmm. One thing that's important is we can't overfocus on any one particular book. Instead, it's about the ways of being and the choices we make in response to the students. So even when you're thinking about, we chose 15 books for our K to two and three to five book. And we also recognize that there are thousands of books and brand new books being written every day that we will all fall in love with. So it's not about the book. It's about showing up and inviting kids into real conversations, providing them with very clear pathways of thinking and strategies that they can bring to any book that they read, and also opening up our classrooms so that we have conversations where we're not the ones with the answers as teachers, but that the kids can pause and truly listen to each other and benefit from the collective knowledge in the room because they give so much if we just create space for them to share what they know. Wow, that's really powerful. I, you know, I, I really appreciate that. I know I learned so much from all of my students. And so <laughs> they're the best professional developers, aren't they? Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Dana, I want to thank you for all that you do. I want to also give a shout out to your co-authors and thank you guys for really putting together something that teachers can use um, in the classroom to really support students from a literacy perspective, but also really uh, from a human perspective. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me and for inviting me. This was an amazing conversation. I really look forward to connecting again. Of course. Thanks so much.